Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Tina Sire, PCA Chief Impact Officer. Alyssa Kumis did her undergraduate work at the University of California, Berkeley, and went on to earn a Master's of Public Health from the Tufts University School of Medicine and a second Master's from the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy. Alyssa is currently the Project Manager for Healthy Kids Out of School, an initiative of Child Obesity 180, working closely with state and local leaders across the country to develop outreach and training materials that facilitate adoption of healthy principles in youth sports and extracurricular organizations. Through the development and promotion of the Coaching Healthy Habits Training, she's helped tens of thousands of youth sports coaches instill healthy habits in their youth athletes so they can perform their best on and off the field. Alyssa and I met at the National Coaching Conference in Seattle in June, and she's had so many tangible ideas for coaches and parents that I couldn't wait to interview her today for PCA One-on-One. Alyssa, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Tina. So I'm really curious to hear um, and would love for you to share with our audience what got you interested in this topic. And I think, you know, I sort of generally call it coaching healthy habits. How did you get a start in this? Oh, great question. Um, you know, we as an organization and personally as a dietitian and a background in public health, we're looking at, you know, where are the spaces within the areas where children spend time throughout the day where we can make an impact on promoting health. Um, You know, unfortunately, we're confronted with this very intractable problem, which is childhood obesity and just overweight and obesity in general within the United States, where a third of children are currently overweight um, or obese and 70% of adults. Um, And we know there's a lot of wonderful opportunities going on and changes that are happening But looking at youth sports, the research that we have shows that there's actually um, great improvements that we can make um, to help children eat healthier and stay more active when they're in these programs, and we're actually not, not meeting the potential that we could. So thinking about these great role models that we have for our coaches and the parents that volunteer and participate and how we can make sure we're taking advantage of those spaces. So that's really where we saw this opportunity to make a bigger impact and to support coaches and parents in making healthier environments for kids. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you sort of about the general health trends in our country and some of the statistics you've already mentioned are are fascinating. And I'm curious about sort of the trends, like are we seeing um, the obesity and, and the number, the percentage of people that are considered overweight? Um, Is that getting worse or are we getting better over time where that's concerned? Yeah, it's a great question. We just actually got some data um, this year, and it looks like we're starting to make gains as far as we're seeing it level off or even start to decrease in the below five age range for children, which is great to see. We see it leveling off in about the five to 12, um, starting to kind of, you know, hit a plateau. Um, But we still continue to see it increase in adolescents and also in in adults. So, There's definitely still work to be done, and those statistics are pretty staggering when you think about a third of children being overweight or obese, and then, like I said, 70% of adults. And we do know that kids that um, are 
are obese in their childhood have an 80% likelihood of remaining obese as adults. And, um, you know, if you tried to make a change as an adult, you know how hard it can be. And we just recognize it's so much easier to start off on a healthy path, to start off with good, healthy habits um, instead of later on trying to make a change. So that's why we really focus on the youth aspect. Have you guys looked at the health of um, athletes versus non-athletes? Because I think parents and coaches might, you know, sort of instinctively feel like athletes and people who are participating in youth sports would be more healthy. But does the the research or the data bear that out? Yeah, that's a a really common, actually, misconception that, um, well, my child plays a youth sport, so they're, um, they're, you know, kind of, separate from these statistics, but we do see that kids that participate in youth sports, um, where most people would think that they're getting the recommended 60 minutes of um, moderate to vigorous physical activity per day, they're actually, most of them aren't. Um, We see actually less than half of of younger children that are reaching that. Um, And then also as far as teenagers, only 8% of of them are getting the recommended 60%. And those are for kids that are 60 minutes, and those are kids that participate in youth sports, not the kids that, to mention the kids that don't. Um, Wow. Wow. And we also see on the kind of nutrition piece of it or the energy in that the kids that participate in youth sports, you know, they're more likely to eat um, milk and fruits and vegetables, drink milk and eat fruits and vegetables, they're also more likely to eat fast food and sugary beverages. Um, so it's these, um, you know, it's great that we see them eating more fruits and vegetables than in kids that don't participate in youth sports, but these other habits that go along with it, if they stop participating in youth sports and stop being active, the fact that they're maybe more accustomed to eating fast foods and, and sugary beverages and sodas and sports drinks and, and juice drinks, um, if those habits continue to play out as they go into adulthood and are, aren't as active, then we know that that can, that can really um, lead to some of these outcomes that we see with overweight and obesity. Yep, yep. I want to go back to that point you made about, you know, um, in fact, this is hitting very close to home for me because I'm the head coach of my son's um, third grade soccer team this fall. And indeed, we have an hour-long practice. And um, I'm wondering what advice you have for me as a coach to keep my kids active and moving for as many of those 60 minutes as I can and not end up with that sort of 30 minutes that um, I thought I was getting them for 60, but I'm only getting them for 30. What specific tips do you have for me as a coach to keep the kids active during practice? Yeah, and these are, I have to say, these are all the – the recommendations and suggestions and tips that we've garnered are really from coaches on the ground who have told us their strategies. So from our organization and our perspective, um, we go to the folks that are actually implementing with working with kids in their sports practices to ask them what's worked for them. Um, And what we've seen, the strategies that we've heard that have been successful um, are when coaches are able to break athletes into smaller groups so that yeah. that way, instead of, you know, maybe waiting in line, the kids are in different skill stations where they're doing a, a drill or an activity and all being able to stay active, um, to be thoughtful about maybe small sided games um, so that more kids are playing at once and that maybe depending on what sport you're playing, if your field is smaller, then more kids are um, are being active. Thinking about the, the kind of the negatives that we talk about, the no no lines, no lectures, 
um, and thinking about that inactive time and trying to think about ways that you can get them moving during during spaces when they might be more sedentary. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I find with soccer, some of it is just having enough equipment and that making sure that, that you have enough balls, that every player has a ball and you can be doing activities where everybody's moving and everyone's getting touches rather than, as you said, I like that no lines, no lectures. You know, you don't have kids standing around waiting to get their touches in a line. Um, that's, that's a great that's point. A great that's point. a really great point. Yeah, and we've another, also heard from a lot of yeah. coaches. Oh, yeah. Um, I, go. You go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that we, um, we've also heard from some coaches that if they can get more support from other parents, that it can be hard to break break them up into different stations if you don't have more adult supervision. So yeah. asking those parents, if you have parents that are sitting on the sideline and watching practice, seeing if they can run a stopwatch or if they can take time or giving them a little bit of instruction so that they can support you and making sure that you're letting them know why you're asking for their help, that this is going to keep our kids up and moving more and make sure that they get the most out of practice. Yeah. Then you get the parents up and moving too. You get a double bonus. Definitely. I like that a lot. Everybody wins. Yeah, that's great. Um, so so I think another, um, this is obviously, I'm, I'm going to take this to the personal level, is that, you know, parents, when it's their turn to bring snack after the game, um, I've seen this sort of snack escalation. Like everybody wants to have brought like the snacks that the kids love the most and you end up with cupcakes and, and decorating cookies and, you know, pizza. And I'm curious, like, what advice you would give me as a coach to sort of start the season on the right foot to, um, you know, have those sorts of healthy snacks um, at the end and ones that aren't going to sort of take away all the effort we put in um, to the actual practice and then just give them more calories at the end. But it's hard because parents want to bring stuff the kids are going to like, and it's not an easy conversation always to have with parents. Definitely. I think you really hit the nail on the head about starting at the beginning of the season. You know, it's yeah. um, much more challenging to talk to a parent when they've already brought something that's unhealthy and to say that you're hoping to see um, healthier foods be provided and to talk to them about why. So I really think yeah. the key is at the beginning of the season sending out something that talks about, you know, one of our resources actually that we have is, a, is an easy way to do it, to talk about why Fruits and vegetables are really the best snack that we can provide for kids. I mean, it used to be orange slices at soccer, and now, like you're saying, things have just kind of g gone crazy. Um, so talking about why that's all they might need, you know, really thinking about the research shows that you know, they're, they're moving for only half the practice. An average 8-year-old burns about 150 calories when they're when they're playing in an average practice. So really we don't need to load them up with junk food, and you rarely see adults that – go to the gym and then, you know, stop at the at the bakery on the way back. It's just a, a, an interesting practice that has, has taken off. So, um, yeah, I think making sure that they're aware of why it's important um, at the beginning of the season. And then also I think if you can find one, one or two parents that also believe, you know, that this is important, um, yep. having their support really helps um, a coach so that it doesn't yeah. feel like they're making this rule in a silo, that they're really – you know, bringing people together and sharing about why this is a, an opportunity instead of framing it in the negative of taking away their treats, that this is really a positive um, exposure that we're going to give them to fruits and vegetables. Fruits are really simple. They're cheap. Um, you don't have to worry about food allergies or trash. There's so many benefits that I think 
I, I would love to hear about your experience, you know, trying to make some of these changes, but hopefully people see that it can be so much simpler that they don't have to yeah. think about going to the store and buying so many different things. Yeah. You know, I literally had this conversation yesterday at our first practice and uh, with, the, with the parents who were there, and I felt like me as the coach – when I was the one to set the foundation and say, this year we're really aiming for healthy snacks, um, it made, if, if the kids are going to be mad about it, I could be the bad guy. And the parents are just following what the coach is asking for. And the parents don't have to be the bad guy who are like, why do I have to have the healthy parents who are bringing apples, you know, when like everybody else is bringing, you know, cookies. Um, and, and I just sort of feel like as the coach, that's my job. And I'm going to take responsibility and say, hey, we're going to bring, you know, fruits and, and vegetables and then a gallon of water, you know, and that's that's what we're going to do. And I think the parents felt relieved by that and that it wasn't them. Um, but, but I did have a few parents who had talked to me on the side saying they really hoped we could go that way. So that helped me as a coach to feel like I wasn't alone um, in that. Definitely. Um, I wanted that's, to give you a so chance to, to talk a <laughs> A little bit about the um, the coaching healthy habits online training, which you know I I was just a nice six minute video that I watched last night preparing for our talk today, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that, encourage people um, uh, to watch that and where to find it, and talk a little bit about that. Great, thank you. Yeah, we're really excited about this training, and it was something that was developed, um, like I said, on the ground um, with coaches that had experience working with kids and really trying to understand, we recognize that a lot of youth sports coaches, I mean, they really don't have a lot of time. Most people are working you know, jobs and have children and putting something else on their plate that feels like an, an added burden is not what we wanted to do. So the, really the goal of the training is to keep it as concise and, and simple as possible um, and to arm them with tools and resources and a bit of education about why and how they can make a healthier practice. Um, so really our three pieces that we've, we've touched on as we've chatted today um, are about boosting that active time during their practice. So thinking of ways how they can increase the time that the players are moving during an average practice by about 10 to 15 minutes. So it's not about making a practice longer. It's really capitalizing on those opportunities when players might be standing around or might not be as engaged. So looking for changes that they can make to their practices to make sure we get everybody to that 60 minutes um, a day goal. Um, the other piece of the training is, is water. It's really simple, but if coaches can promote water as the best way for players to stay hydrated and really focus on that and make sure that they're promoting that and making water available, um, we just know that the sugary beverage link to um, kind of this unhealthy weight is is so strongly correlated that that can make a huge difference. And um, and then the third piece is the snacks. So looking at coaches promoting fruits and vegetables as snack and ways that they can do that. Um, and just those small little tweaks, the fact that if that can become the norm at youth sports. And with our organization and our initiative, we work with a lot of out-of-school time and extracurricular programs. So not just youth sports, but also um, enrichment programs. So we're hoping to create this really sea change where as youth are going to their soccer, soccer practice and to swim practice and to maybe a scouting program or an after-school program at the YMCA, that this is what they're accustomed to, where they're 
drinking water, if it's a snack, it's a fruit or a vegetable, and they're moving as much as possible. I mean, those small little changes that people can make um, can make such a huge difference over time. Um, and coaches, we just know, we've heard from so many parents that, you know, I could talk until I'm blue in the face, but um, when the coach says that my son or my daughter should drink water or that, you know, a banana is a great way for them to have the energy they need to stay active, that they really listen. So using that opportunity as a role model to promote that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know if it was in your video or somewhere else on your site, it was talking about coaches as role models themselves, you know, having a water bottle drinking water, you know, and and showing that to the athletes. I want to talk specifically about sports drinks. Um, And and when we talk about sugary beverages, it'd be easy to think that we're talking about soda or juice packs. But, um, you know, what is your advice about, like, do kids need, you know, sports drinks? And they're certainly marketed to kids. Do they need them? And is it good for them? And is that something that parents and coaches should we be promoting or should we be more wary about sports drinks? You know, I I would say that there's, it really depends. Um, on average, I really don't think there's any need for a sports drink for a youth athlete. Um, mm-hmm. The times when, you know, electrolyte replacement might be necessary is when we think about kids that are, um, or youth that are playing outdoors and extreme conditions, so high heat, high humidity. They may be started when they were already dehydrated, um, and they're they're really losing electrolytes quickly. Um, those are the cases for maybe you know more than more than a few hours, um, and those cases are pretty rare. And I think yeah. that you know what I talk about sports drinks, sometimes I talk about to parents about when they would use something like Pedialyte, or you know you think about it's it's mm-hmm. more of a Mm-hmm. of a medical <laughs> reason for needing it. You don't really need it per, as a preventative measure. Um, if your kids yep. are eating a balanced diet, so they're getting the electrolytes, which are the sodium, potassium that we need to stay hydrated, and they're also consistently drinking water throughout the day and have access to it throughout the practicing game, um, there really isn't much of a need. And there's there's so much sugar that kids are exposed to right now, um, and we know that, like I said, there's that direct link that our bodies don't really react in the same way when we drink a sugary beverage versus when we actually eat something. Um, so our body doesn't compensate by feeling fuller. Um, so we tend to take in more calories when we drink our calories and sugar. So getting sense. into the habit yeah. of drinking those drinks is really um, can be can be detrimental um, for kids later on. But at the same time, like I said, there are certain conditions where if it's really hot out, it's really extreme conditions and and players are active for for more than an hour or so. Um, I mean, and that means they're playing really hard, then it's it's possible. Um, So I want to rule it out, but Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really helpful. Um, One other thing I think a lot of parents would be interested to hear your perspective on is what should their kids be eating at different times? And, you know, what's the right game, pregame meal, like two or three hours before the game? Is there something that they should consume, you know, 30 minutes before the game? What's the right thing to consume after a game? And I, I think there are sort of best practices or ideas here, but I don't think they're sort of universally known. And I was hoping maybe you could give us give us some thoughts about that. Yeah, and this is something we actually created a handout called Healthy Fuel for Healthy Athletes where we we laid this out because we heard from coaches that um, 
kids were getting dropped off, maybe after eating um, a fast food meal, and they were sluggish and tired and, you know, really weren't prepared to play. And afterwards, they were seeing the kids going off to, um, you know, some other sort of meal that felt like it really wasn't reinforcing that fueling yourself for activity. So um, yeah. Yeah. we did pull, pull together some simple tips that we hope will help coaches explain and share with parents and players what the best strategies are. Um, so, yeah, before making sure that you come to practice or a game fueled, um, you know, that you have the energy that you need to exercise. And really, when we look at that, um, we're looking about, you know, three hours or so beforehand having a, a healthy meal that includes, you know, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and protein. Um, the things that take longer to digest are fatty foods and also really high protein foods. Um, they spend more time in our stomach and our digestive tract, which means that we're sending blood to those areas, which means that that blood can't then go circulate throughout our muscles, which we need when we're being active. So we want to think about healthy foods and carbohydrates that can our body can process, um, you know, within a few hours and be ready so that we're ready to go um, once we, we hit the field. Um, during practices, um, and, and, you know, there's the meal that's a few hours beforehand or three hours or so, but if, you know, your child's going to go to a, a game or a practice, having a simple snack like a banana or a piece of fruit or a piece of toast before they go to the, to the game an hour or so before is, is a great option too. Um, and, and then once they're on, once they're playing, if they need a snack, like which we know right now that if, if it's an hour-long practice and they're only moving for 30 minutes, a snack really might not be necessary and might not be worth the time that it takes to stop and eat it. Right. Um, but, but if that does feel necessary or if that's part of the culture, then making sure it's a fruit or vegetable is really ideal and that water is always included. Um, mm -hmm. And then afterwards, having a balanced meal and thinking about, you know, depending on the age range, getting really focused on, um, you know, refueling and thinking about protein needs can be a little excessive, but thinking about a, a balanced meal that you would go and have. So instead of going for the treat route um, and thinking about you just played a game, let's go get ice cream or cele celebratory, recognizing that this is a great opportunity to think about you just were really active and your body needs to replenish some of its nutrients. So we're going to go home or we're going to go um, – we're going to go to a restaurant or maybe we already packed a lunch because it's a tournament day and we're going to be here yeah. for a while and make sure that you have something that's the same thing has, you know, fruits and vegetables, whole grains and a, and a healthy protein, um, I think is a really great strategy. So it's really, it's the great thing about it is there's nothing prescribed. There's no special foods that you need to eat. It's really going back to those kind of whole foods that we can eat um, and making sure that they're, there's something that you can have on hand and making it easier for parents. So we have that handout that hopefully gives some strategies and, and specific tips and suggestions to help parents out. Great, great. Um, I just have one more question, and then if there's anything you feel like we should cover, um, we, we should cover it. Um, are there certain age pitfalls or sport pitfalls or situational pitfalls, like you were mentioning tournaments, where you feel like sort of the healthy habits um, – get challenged more um, at that age or in that sport or that situation where parents and coaches should just sort of be on high alert that, wow, this is a challenging time to sort of keep up our standards of, of being healthy? 
That's a great question. Um, you know, we definitely have heard a lot about the tournaments and for parents that have multiple kids that are participating in youth sports where, you know, the parents are just trying to make sure that the, the kids are getting to the right field or the right, you know, game right. at the right time. Right. Um, and I, I totally feel for that and recognize that that's a, a challenging position to be in. So making sure that you're, you have something packed and ready to go. And if possible, putting that on the, the coaches giving good advice about healthy foods that they can bring with them, maybe getting the kids engaged in, in packing their, their bag lunch um, and bringing it with them. The concession stands can be really hard. Um, and we have also a handout that we, we developed um, based on some little pilots that we did around New England working to tra- create healthier concession stands at um, youth sports facilities. But um, if you're a busy parent and you have a few kids and one kid is, is sitting and watching the other the other sibling play, um, going to the concession stand and having them go and get like an unhealthy lunch or, you know, nachos or something like that really isn't going to help that child out very much. And it's, it's, um, it's getting into those practices that we're trying to trying to avoid and trying to promote healthier healthier options. So I think thinking about planning ahead and bringing healthy foods with you when you know it's going to be a long day, um, and also thinking about your other children that might be sitting around and and getting candy or, or unhealthy foods at the concession stand um, is important too. Um, you know, and then like you said, depending on the sport, there's certain sports. Um, where we know that kids are just, they're just more active when they're playing or when they're participating. So swimming or, or soccer tend to be a little bit more active. We think about baseball and softball, where there's a little bit more sedentary time. So mm-hmm. um, keeping that in mind and thinking about what types of, um, you know, foods and, and reinforcement we're giving when kids are participating in those types of sports and, and, and changing the, the foods that we give to them or, or just really thinking about that downtime and how we can keep them active. I think that um, you could have a parent. We've had a few coaches that have had parents take a little bit of a baseline for them to to tell them how many minutes the kids are um, moving throughout a typical practice, and that's been really enlightening for some coaches to see, depending on the sport. Um, you know, like I said, with something with like baseball where. You know, it's definitely great activity, but you can see that when part of the team is sitting and waiting to go to bat, um, they're really not moving that much. So being mindful of that is important. That's a great point. Well, Alyssa, um, thank you so much for taking this time with me today. I just feel like you shared so many really tangible ideas that coaches and parents and, and kids can implement and thank you also just for your career and your dedication to this. I think it's it's the kind of thing that can impact our whole culture and, and the health of our society and such important work, and we're so lucky to have you doing it. So thank you so much for today and, and for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. It's really, I have to say that being a coach is, is such a, um, a challenging and yet rewarding job, and I see that they have such amazing intentions and dedicate so much of their time to youth. And so we are just so inspired to work with definitely you folks at Positive Coaching Alliance and just to be able to support coaches and the great work that they're doing. Because if we don't have coaches that are willing to, to help out our youth stay active, then, you know, things are just going to get worse. So anything that we can do to support that, um, we're always here to help. So um, thanks so thanks, much for, thanks. for getting our materials out. 
Of course, and thanks for saying that. I mean, I think we know so many of the coaches in this country are volunteers, you know, and they're dedicating their time and taking time away from work and their families to be able to do this, and it's not always easy. And you're right, it wouldn't the youth sports wouldn't run um, without all those wonderful coaches. So um, we're very thankful to be able to share your great work and um, look forward to being able to, to really help the health of our country um, through youth sports. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.